With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Doc Wesson, and in this episode of The Gun Nation, Average Joe reviews a beautiful CZ. Is the 40 caliber gone, or is it here to stay? We get to some email, and we discuss quality holsters for concealment. All that and more in this episode of The Gun Nation. It all begins right now. Average Joe, we've got Paul, we've got the girl. Been doing some like night pig hunting, <laughs> even though there were no swine available. No swine, no piggies. Mm-hmm. No well, piggies died in the no making of this well, movie. Well, how have you been, Melody? I've been doing well. Very, very busy. Yes, very you, busy. you do appear to be a busy person, that's for sure. And Blade, how's things for you, sir? Oh, things are good. That's things just, are good. I get more and more Blade emails every day. Which that's what happy. I'm talking about. Send him more blade emails. Call me the blade. I'll answer faster. He he knows his he knows his moniker for sure. Average Joe, sir, how are you tonight? Wishing I had a cool nickname like the Blade. <laughs> how about you know, the Joe? I got I got the average. you know average I got average Joe. I'm like the Eeyore of this group. <laughs> Eeyore. <laughs> Eeyore. Well, I mean, you chose it. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Uh, so anyway. Hey, we get to choose our own? What? Sure. Well, no, no. It's not how nicknames work. No, we we went through this, didn't we, Paul? Talking about that. Nicknames don't happen like that. No, it's like being an astronaut. (laughs) No, because, (laughs) you know, Doc, for a long time, Melody has wanted to call you Miss Clairol, but Paul and I have stopped him. (laughs) Dead in his tracks. Miss Clairol. (laughs) Do they even sell Clairol anymore? Clairol products. I I have no idea. They're hard to find. People do, do people even know what that is? <laughs> I mean, people under like thirty are like even 30. Melody. Even Melody's like, what is? I'm he like, talking I, about? I I've got nothing. I told you. People under seventy. My wife has a moisturizer from Clairol that she is it Clairol? Is that am I even remembering the right brand? I think that's what it is. Uh, it is crazy the places I have to try and track that down at Christmas time and Valentine's Day. Mm. Ridiculous. <laughs> Anyway, man, that takes it back. But, uh, well, glad we're all here. And uh, I guess let's just jump right into it. Uh, Average Joe, let's start with you because we, are, we we love the CZ line. And I noticed that you had a awesome-looking CZ on your website over at AverageJoe'sHandgunReviews.blogspot.com. I can breathe. 
go. You having some respiratory problems? Well, there? that's a long website. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, you know, and as always, Doc, we ask people, when invite people to go to averagejoeshandguns.blogspot.com so that they can see the wonderful photos that you're talking about. And this week we're talking about the CZ-75B in matte stainless. And turn up your volume and move closer to the speakers because this is one you don't want to miss. Uh, this pistol is actually kind of a mystery. It doesn't appear on the CZ website in the version that you see in the picture above. Um, there is a matte stainless pistol on the CZ uh, USA site, but it has standard sights and rubber grips. This pistol is adorned with uh, 3.9 sights and premium Cocobolo grips. I did find it for a while on the CZ Custom Shop website, but when I went back to check on it, uh, it was gone. And I would not be surprised to find out that this uh, pistol spent a brief amount of time at the custom shop in, in Arizona. The trigger pull is much better than a stock CZ-75. It's not ridiculously light like the sub-three-pound pulls on their competition pistols because this pistol is built for defense, not competition. The trigger pull is very smooth, so some polishing has obviously taken place. The double action pull comes in at 9.1 pounds, and the single action pull averaged 5.25 pounds. The smoothness helps provide superb accuracy. Now, as with most all CZs, the slide rides inside the frame instead of outside or on top of the frame. And again, this is claimed to be another factor which contributes to the excellent accuracy. Another touch for the defensive shooter are the true dot night sights that sit atop the frame. And that then brings us to the premium Cocobolo grips. These grips are really something special. They're constructed from nicely grained and figured warm red Cocobolo wood. They are shaped, rounded, and attractively checkered to add a pleasing feel to the already ergonomic CZ grips. In fact, these grips are the only sensual feeling you can have that doesn't involve cheating on your spouse. Um, am I a little attached to this pistol? Yes, I am. A lot of people keep a pistol on their nightstand. I have this moved this over to the pillow where my ex-wife used to sleep. Uh, this, uh, this gun gets a special treatment. The trigger operating mechanism is traditional double action, uh, meaning that the first round will have that longer 9.1-pound double action pull, and the subsequent rounds will have the shorter 5.25 uh, single action pull. As the pistol has a manual, dis manual safety instead of decocker, the pistol can be carried, cocked, and locked in the single action mode. So you can have your preference whether you want it to be in single action or the traditional double action mode. And all of this leads us to discussing how the pistol shoots. Now we've already, of course, discussed the smooth trigger pull. And as this is a uh, an all stainless steel pistol, it weighs in at 2.31 pounds, making this a heavier gun than the current crop of polymer frame pistols on the market. Now, as we have noted many times on this show, a proper holster and proper gun belt make the weight kind of a non-issue as far as carrying the pistols are concerned. As it is a full-time pistol, a full-size pistol, however, it does need really good cover garment in order to offer concealment, whether you're carrying it inside or certainly outside the waistband. However, the weight and the size of the pistol also means that the recoil from the 9mm round is going to be fairly minimal. Now, 
as I mentioned earlier, it's got great superb accuracy. So let me show you the targets. Um, so again, I hope you're over on the website to take a look at those. We're going to start with the center target. Uh, that was shot with 10 rounds of Magtech uh, 115 grain full metal jacket at a distance of 21 feet. And by center target, I'm talking about the center square in the first photo. The top square was shot with 10 rounds of the same ammo at 30 feet, and the bottom square is 10 rounds at 45 feet. Um, it actually, I actually got a little bit better accuracy at 45 than I did, did at 30. The next target is 20 rounds at 75 feet. Now, normally at 75 feet, about half my rounds don't hit the paper. Um, but the CZ is a natural shooter, and, and this pistol is very accurate. And that's the reason all 20 rounds went into an 8-inch target at 25 yards. Now, the next series uh, of targets, uh, the three squares on the uh, uh, target, are defensive rounds fired at 21 feet. The top square was shot with five rounds of Winchester Train and Defend 147-grain jacketed hollow point. The center square was shot with five rounds of Federal's 105-grain guard dog ammo. And the bottom square is five rounds of Spear 124-grain uh, plus P gold dot uh, hollow point ammo. The CZ-75 matte stainless pistol in this configuration has rapidly become one of my favorite pistols. While it's not the most convenient gun to carry, I find myself... Um, finding ways to carry it frequently as the accuracy out to 75 feet gives me the confidence to make the accurate shots that, you know, God forbid, if I find myself in uh, uh, a defensive shooting situation, I have the confidence that I'll make the shots. Overall, I love this pistol. I love the way it feels. I love the way it handles. Um, I love the accuracy. I love the trigger pull on it. This is a great pistol doc well um cz's i, I just l love them uh i've never really carried one for um defense purposes i usually just have them because i like them um I, I obviously you can see why but yeah if you're not checking his pictures out that i tell you the the and i'm cuckoo for coca ball <laughs> those grips <laughs> they pop man on that satin that matte stainless look to it mm. very nice very nice and um and just how close are you again with that pistol there, Joe? I mean... Awkward. <laughs> that was a little weird, but I, okay. But I, I liked it. I liked the weirdness. I mean, well, I, I'm, I'm catching... Awkward weirdness. I'm catching, I'm catching, you know, where he's going with that. It's on the pillow where my ex-wife used to be. <laughs> okay. Joe? Well, nothing else is laying there, so... <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least it's something you can depend on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's reliable... Ooh, <laughs> um, but uh, did no, I hear wedding bells? <laughs> I, I I don't sleep with it on the pillow next to me. That was just for uh, just for me was, to that was just exploit. To see if, if that was just to see if you guys actually pay attention. Yeah, well, I, I definitely. You know, I was here eating my sandwich and just <laughs> <laughs> no. But I I do really really like this pistol, mm -hmm. um, and it just. It just shoots so well. It's it's an amazing feeling of confidence you get when you've got a gun that you can really rock and roll with. Mm -hmm. So, Joe, I've got some questions on the the targets that you posted there. The uh, especially the target that I think was at uh, let me see here at thirty feet. 
20 rounds at 75 feet, excuse me. Um, how many of those were the double action trigger press? Was it just the first round? Uh, the, the two of those were the double action because I shot 10 rounds mag- in each mag. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's, that's, uh, that's good performance. I mean, that's more performance than you ever really need out of a defensive handgun. Not necessarily that this is a defensive handgun, but uh, that's that's some good shooting. From the pictures, it almost looks, I like the coloring on it, just the way the light plays on it. Mm-hmm. It almost looks like the, the flat surfaces that are brushed or matte stainless are a different color than uh, where the dust cover is is beveled in and such. And it gives it a really, almost a two-tone kind of look, and I like that a lot. I don't think the gun has any coloration on those parts i think it's just the way the light plays on it am i right no uh the flats on the side are brushed brushed stainless okay and the other parts are bead blasted okay so it so there is a little bit of a difference in the light but it's yeah. not color difference it's just in just catching it finish yeah textures it looks slick mm-hmm. looks slick. i love this do you do either of you paul or melody own a cz or have you ever owned a cz I don't. I've had several CZs in classes. Yeah. And um, as Joe mentioned, you know, this this wasn't necessarily for him uh, a, a pistol he intended to carry with. Maybe that's how you said it, Joe. I don't want to put words yeah. in your mouth. Um, and I've had some students that have had some struggles with them because, you know, they, they buy it because they want to carry it as a double single, a traditional double right. action. But there is no decocker on these guns. And that means on a lot of these CZs that you are, and, and maybe it's all the CZs, I'm not terribly familiar with the line, um, that means you are setting this hammer down while you press the trigger to prep you, that gun to be ready to go for carry. You are correct. They yeah. do make some with decockers, but they make, so, they make uh, you know, probably three times as many without right. decockers as right. they do with decockers. Um, the smaller compact gun that I have has a decocker on okay. it, and I, I really prefer that for defensive carry. Yeah, if you're going to carry it decocked, I mean, you can, if, if folks can kind of follow along, this is just like a double action, or excuse me, a, a single action revolver or a double action revolver. If you thumb cock the hammer, the only way to put it down is to press the trigger and gently lower the hammer. So think about, you know, daily routine or, or every once in a while the gun needs to be unloaded and reloaded. That means that you need to set that hammer down on a round in the chamber. Well, if you're doing that in your closet, in your bedroom of your apartment, that can have some complications. And that's now, that's what it is that I... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You can carry those cocked and locked, though, can't you? You can. You can. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Because okay. yeah. I, I, we, we owned one before, but it was a very long time ago. And mm-hmm. it was before I was really into guns. And I remember... Um, my husband carrying it cocked and locked. So that's what I remember of it. So you've got the trade-off there of the safety issue of setting the hammer down and then the issue of will you remember to deactivate the safety when you need to use it? And that's what a lot of people struggle with. You know, we've had the safety conversations here on the show before. And, you know, if, if you go with a traditional double action for defensive use, I highly suggest something with the cocker. And the, the other thing I'll mention because I... We get an awful lot of customers in the store that don't know this. The hammer on the CZ-75 models are never meant to be all the way down. They are meant to be, if you look in my first picture, it's not really a half cock, but it's like a uh, a one-third cock. That's all the way that the CZ hammer is designed to be. If you put it all the way down, 
um, what you're doing is you're making the trigger pull longer and usually heavier than it has to be. Well, when the hammer, it's very very similar, I think, to uh, like lever action, uh, some lever action rifles. You know where you you can rest the hammer down at a position, uh, but it doesn't rest on the you know the firing pin. Right. Yeah. Very similar to that. Uh, but uh, but I, the, I mean, if you don't carry it for defense, I mean, just the mere fact that they're so much fun to shoot and very accurate and just a quality made pistol. I mean, uh, and some of the stuff they put out, like, you know, I've seen those 75s uh, with this, the, the real high polished stainless. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, man, these things are gorgeous. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, this, this one came in uh, and as soon as I put my hands on it, I, I said, okay, I got, this one's mine. And since then, we can't get these as uh, fast as we can get other CZ models. So whenever we sell one, there's a several – we can only get them one at a time, and there's a several-week lapse in between them. But um, since I bought this one, we have had four come in, and all I do <laughs> to people is put the gun in their hand, and they go, God, this really feels good. Yeah. And then I pull up the pictures of my targets, and the gun goes out the door. You know, and and two, you know, CZ they really did a good job. You know, as far as you mentioned, how the the slide is inverted where it rests on the the inside. Um, it locks up well that way, and it it if correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't that help the bore axis as well because then it drop it down? Well, yeah, it it does. As you look at the, and and this is you know some people find this to be a drawback because if you look at the slide, there is very um, there's much less of the slide um, rising above the frame than you have on a 1911 or right. a SIG. And some people do actually have a little problem uh, manipulating the slide. And, 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 Just got know, less to grip. Yeah, you've mm-hmm. got less yeah. to grip. But some people, you know, as I keep telling people, pull the hammer back. Drop the magazine, and and I tell them this on a you know we have a lot of firearms in the shop that people um, have difficulty racking um, with the unloaded magazine in it, and um, I have not been able to put this I guess into succinct and understandable words that racking the gun on an empty magazine is just really not something that you're gonna do when it comes to operating the pistol. Mm-hmm. Here, here. That's absolutely correct. In, mm-hmm. I, I can't think of a a situation where that's gonna be what it is that you do. Mm-mm. Joe, have you ever really come across a bad CZ? Now, and I don't mean like you know each each one manufacturer's got a, something that. Well, let's say each line eventually somewhere there's gonna be a lemon because something's yeah just not right. I'm talking about like uh, CZ 75s versus uh, what's the 45 the 90 uh, 97 yeah yeah mm. uh the 97s are fine fine uh-huh. pistols i've got one that will be coming up on uh you know 97 is a 45 mm-hmm. uh ACP and i've got one that's been worked over by Cajun Gunworks that is just really slick yeah but there Big are gun. yeah there are some lines in in the CZ uh uh, catalog that I'm not fond of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not particularly fond of the Ramy. Yeah, see, I've heard that too. Um, it seems to me to be really blocky, uh, and it seems to me to be wider than the uh, 
normal CZ-75 uh, compact double actions. Yeah, and, and uh, it was supposed to be the compact for CZ, right? I mean, yeah. The, the, yeah. the tiny, tiny. Yeah. and it, Well, not tiny, tiny, but you know what I mean. It's supposed yeah. to compete with other smaller subcompact, I guess you'd call it. But the, the Ramey, um, I've heard of some functioning issues they've had with it. But to be fair, I want to say that it was likely the ones I heard were like the forty caliber. Uh, and no. It might have been with this slide manipulation, you know, during firing or. Yeah, I don't think they make right. that. I don't think they make the Ramy in a forty I any longer. A, I oh, could, they quit doing it. Oh. I could be. I could be wrong. Uh-huh. But we haven't. You know, in two years, I've not seen a forty Ramy come through the shop. Yeah. In the next two years, I wonder if you see a forty anything come through the shop. Well, very good question. That's another yeah. store, another show. Yeah. It is. Well, do you th- well, let's start with that right now, though. <laughs> is it dead? Well, I remember it came out. I actually posted something about that on, on Facebook. Is right, the 40 dead? Is it? Writing is on the wall. Is when it you look dead? At, when you look at major manufacturers like Ruger coming out with a 9mm and a 45 and no yeah. 40, that's a solid indication that new guns are not going to be looking at the 40 caliber. Now, there are going to be tons of police trade-ins that are going to be available. They're going to be cheap. People are going to scoop them up, and that's going to keep the forty going for an awful long time. And it's never going to completely disappear, yeah. but it's and, not going to do what it's done. People are dumping them. Uh, if you, you know, we've probably got uh, at any point in time twenty to thirty guns in our used gun case at the shop, and the vast, overwhelming majority of them are forties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, here's the thing, though. If you recall, during the height of the ammo shortage for. Mm-hmm. What was the what was the number one thing other than twenty twos? What was the number one thing that you just couldn't find? I know I had a hard time until the point that average Joe had to send me some yeah, nine millimeters. Then nine, nine absolutely. Yep. And I mean, in anything, <laughs> I could not find it anywhere. And um, but there were tons of forty. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything you could possibly want. Winchester white box. They had you know spare gold dots. They had you know just pretty much everything and uh 45 about the same maybe not quite it was somewhere in between not having it and the 40 caliber um but seemed like there's just tons of 40 so would it pay you know if you've got one just to hang on to it just in case you ever needed to that thought crosses my mind because i currently do not own a 40 Mm -hmm. and that thought crosses my mind especially with where we might go politically uh you know in the near future yeah Mm -hmm. Well, here's here's what I've done, and, and I've done this because I'm a firearms instructor, and, and I'm not giving this necessarily as advice for everyone to do, but somebody out there might find it to be useful advice. When I purchased rental guns for Safety Solutions Academy, I very specifically purchased 40 caliber guns that were easy to convert to 9mm right. and 357 SIG. And the reason that I did that is I could buy one frame, one slide, and then an additional barrel for each caliber, and now I've got a gun that can do three different things. Mm-hmm. And, and I've used that in a couple of different ways. Number one, with the majority of my students, it's more economical, and 9mm is the preferred caliber, so I run those guns or have them run those guns in 9mm. I, from time to time, have a student that comes to class with a forty caliber pistol mm-hmm. and a bunch of forty caliber ammo, and their pistol, they decide, is not going to work out for them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe their pistol decides it for now they need something to shoot. Well, I've got a forty that I can put in their hands by just swapping that barrel back. 
and they can continue on in class with the ammunition they brought. Right. The 357 SIG is there for that outside chance that I have the same kind of thing happen with 357 SIG, or that's a caliber that I can get. Yeah. And so, you know, a perfect example is a Glock 22 or a Glock 23, both chambered in 40 caliber, both have barrels available from Storm Lake or better yet, Lone Wolf. And as long as you're running ammunition that is a little bit more than the Winchester white box, you're very unlikely to have any malfunctions and you can now train more economically, have multiple calibers. And, and those guns are, I don't want to say a dime a dozen, but police trade-ins, they're available. They're out mm-hmm. there. I, I will say, though, um, if you're planning on carrying one, you've converted mm. from 40 to 9. First off, I'm, we've discussed this before, but yeah. it's scary to me to say, okay, I'm carrying something that the gun was not made for specifically. Yeah, there there certainly can be some reliability issues, and that's something you definitely want to be aware of. If you're if you're making the the swap just for training or for plinking, you don't even have to run nine millimeter no, magazines. You can run forty caliber magazines and have ninety eight percent reliability. When it comes to concealed carry, you really need to think through what it is you're doing. Make sure all parts get changed out to 9mm parts. Yeah, like the extractor, are, for instance. Exactly. There yeah. are some differences there. And then test, 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 and be ready to be able to articulate why it is that you made that decision because that could come up. Why did you modify this handgun? Because 9mm is moving fast. I don't know what the argument would be, but be ready to defend your choice. Right. Now, the... Um and of course, everybody, as you would obviously know, the reason being 45 is here to stay. It always will be. It's um, American tradition. It is. America. And of course, 9mm, you know, with the advancements in the bullet, the metallurgy, the gun design and everything, you know, has really stepped up. <laughs> well, know. and it's really the only way we're going to get the metric system accepted in the U.S. So <laughs> That's true. But the, the thing about it is, is that, um, you know, with that, uh, people ha- still will argue. People that there, and I still know people that are completely in the forty caliber, mm-hmm. you know, arena. That's their thing, man. And they'll still argue down. Well, you know, the instrumental energy still is better. It's closer to the three fifty seven magnum. It's and, and they're right. They're absolutely right about. It. Um, but I guess when it comes down to it, does it make enough difference? Uh, as we've always discussed, so it's it's still that. That bigger caliber, uh, bigger caliber, large, uh, smaller caliber, you know, thing going on with it. But um, I do know, you know, forties are much harder on the guns than the nine millimeters are. But you know, I, I I'd say it'd pay to have one. You know, if you got the money and just want something to mess around with, or to keep in case, or even to carry it if you wanted to. I guess if you uh, do it right, it it could be carryable. I wouldn't, say. Yeah. but having one for versatility. And I did an article. I don't know how long ago, eons ago. You know, Glock perfection? I don't think so. Glock versatility? Uh, maybe. Maybe that should be the motto because you can do a lot with a forty caliber Glock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like the fact that if you've got every caliber that's out there, you're always going to be able to find at mm-hmm. least some kind of ammo for it. I mean, that's the truth. What about three fifty seven SIG? You brought that up. I don't know anybody that has that now. I mean, none of my personal, you know. I Just see the federal online. air marshals. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's about it. It's uh, it's a smoking hot round. It's snappy recoil. It's uh, difficult to shoot. It's difficult to reload. You know, I just don't see any advantage to it at all. It's a forty caliber recoil with a nine millimeter diameter bullet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's an oddity. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it was going to be the next latest and greatest for sure. And I know there's when there some factions of law enforcement that came along and said, "Yep," and they switched right to it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, do you know of any offhand that still are with that, like that you've heard of? I mean, even if it's out of state somewhere. Yeah, FAM. FAM is running 357 SIG. Are they? Federal air marshals are, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. You said that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so we've got government agencies that are running it, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years. You know, one of the things that that agencies under the Department of Homeland Security are struggling with is budget issues, excuse me, and certainly being in 357 SIG when it comes to training (laughs) And uh, uh, cost of firearm maintenance is is substantially higher mm. than nine millimeter, yeah. and so um, you know they they have a belief that there is a significant difference in the performance. Where that comes from, I don't know. Well, it's just, it, it it basically matches up with the three fifty seven Magnum. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. to a certain degree, they're trying to get that one hundred twenty four grain to move what fourteen hundred, fourteen fifty. Right. And uh, it gets it pretty much gets there, you know. So they're trying to to get that performance. Um, but but like you say, the trade off obviously is you know you you need to be proficient, really proficient in shooting it. And uh, I mean, I, I dig what they've done with it. I think it's a great thing. But uh, at this point, I don't know. You know, like I say, uh, personally, my friends, I don't know any of them that have it now. They used to, people I know used to have it. They've sold them, and uh, oddly enough, either gone to the forty-five or the nine millimeter, of course. Mm-hmm. But well, then there'll be another wildcat, you know, or not wildcat, but some, somewhere along the line, something will come up where there's another very similar. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a three seventy. You know, or 360, or, you know, something like that, I imagine. One of these days, who knows? We'll see what happens. Well, the, the round is called the 357 SIG. So next time you're in a gun shop, go over to the SIG display and yeah. see how many 357 <laughs> SIGs you can find. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, well. Um, but, yeah, CZs, they're good. No doubt about it. Love, love those things. Love them. But, uh, well, Joe, I know you got to take off here. you got something else to do, right? Yeah, I got some work stuff to do. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on. It's it's good to uh, be on with you and Paul and, and Melody. And uh, have a great rest of the show. You too, man. Well, All right. Catch you See later. You, Joe. All Bye, right. Joe. Bye-bye. So while he's, now that he's gone, uh, we can talk about it. I mean, uh, <laughs> of course. Um, let's do an email uh, and Paul, Melody, did Paul finally send that to you? That Paul, I tell him to do it. He just, dang it, Paul. <laughs> well, someone has told me a long time ago that I was going to get access to the email, but that just does not happen. So. Yeah, well, I, let I me tell you that. Email. Anyway, um, there was one that had come from uh, Matthew, and uh, I won't even attempt the last name. It's a cool last name, but I just, man. Astrovia. Yeah, uh, whatever. And... Um, <laughs> But it's very long. It's it's really detailed. It's very good. But we we targeted uh, a specific uh, part in there. Uh, and Paul, why don't you, if you don't mind? Oh sure. So uh, Matt is is fairly new to concealed carry, and, and the beginning part of his email details his challenge of uh, negotiating the concealed carry laws between two states that he moved back and forth between during the time. And, and then he settled in on some of the lessons he's learning and trying to sort out as a new concealed carry holder. Uh, his letter reads, or his email reads, I was sitting in the movie theater the other day munching on some tasty, buttery, delicious popcorn. And a thought crossed my mind. If a threat walked in here right now and opened fire, would I be able to swiftly and accurately draw my Glock 26 and put rounds on target with these slippery, slidey butterfinger. It was a shock, 
that it even crossed my mind, but my subconscious mind was obviously taking stock of the situation and bringing to light things that I had never had the opportunity or reason to think about. I'm right-handed, so I tend to do most everything primarily with my right hand. Once the thought crossed my mind, I instantly thought, no, no, I certainly could not reliably draw my pistol, not even if I could. I'm not sure how accurately I could hold it with my hands being so greasy. I wiped my hands clean with a napkin and began munching on my popcorn using only my left hand. And so it's something that Matt has been trying to incorporate into his daily routine, using his weak hand to do things more than his strong hand, just to try and force that habit. And it's not always just greasy stuff, but you know, there's all kinds of things that we do every day that may take our, quote, gun hand out of the picture, and those split seconds matter. So uh, it was a quick story that Matt wanted to share, and uh, interesting thing that kind of brings up some points that uh, that we might want to talk about. So I don't know, Melody, if you, do you have thoughts? How, how do you handle the whole right hand, left hand, I don't know if you want to call it strong hand, weak hand, <laughs> you know, all kinds of feelings about those kinds of statements, but what do you think? Yes, I do. Um, I, I think he has his head going in the right direction because I think there are a lot of things um, that we do with our strong hands that um, are dominant hands that could could definitely slow us down. Um, one of the things I particularly for me is carrying my children. I carry my children very commonly in my strong hand and sometimes it it takes a few seconds before I'm like, oh, hey, and that's something, so if you're carrying a bag or like a, a shopping bag or something, yeah, you could drop that really quick and draw your gun, but you can't necessarily do that with your child, perhaps. Uh, maybe you want to hang on to your child if you draw your gun. Um, so yeah, switching something over to your, your non-dominant hand may be a better thing or to do more things with your non-dominant hand. Now, as far as something like your hands getting greasy, your hands getting wet, um, I would really recommend for something like that is an aggressive texturing or some kind of um, grip sleeve or grip panel, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. or like the talon grips or something like that. Because even if it's something as simple as you're eating popcorn and your hand gets a little bit slippery, you may think you have wiped it all off, but you may not have, or you've just touched something, or like I said, you get wet or things along those lines, and... Or your hands are covered in blood because you're involved in a fight. That's what I was getting ready to say. So something like that, honestly, if you are worried at all about the ability to grip a firearm assuredly in any given situation, then I'd look at some kind of texturing or extra added gripping surfaces for your firearm so that it wouldn't matter the condition of your hands you'd still be able to get a good grip on your gun. That's a good point. And Paul, you brought it up, the, the fact of blood. And, you know, that that's that's a real thing. I mean, it's like, you know, especially if you've been shot or if some, you're assisting someone that has been shot or even if it, you've been sweating, for instance, too, Absolutely. sweating in the palm of your hand. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, that's, that's exactly the point I was going to raise, too, and, and Melody did it perfectly, is, you know, make sure that uh, you've got something that will still allow you mechanically to get a great purchase on that, uh, on that grip. That. And so what I'd suggest folks do is head out to the range on that super hot, sunny day when you don't really want to train because it's too hot outside and, uh, you know, do some physical exertion so that you're sweaty, get those hands sweaty, now do some shooting. And if you're having a hard time holding on to that gun, 
you're having a hard time keeping it under, under control because of the moisture, because of the the uh, the lube, if you will, that you put on <laughs> that gun with whatever the substance is on your hands, then you need to do exactly as it is that Melanie suggested and yeah. do something to get <laughs> a better purchase on that gun. Get some texturing if it's a if it's a gun that's a, a polymer frame gun. You can do it yourself. The stippling is not that hard. It doesn't have to be pretty. It's nice that there are pretty designs out there. It doesn't have to be pretty. Yeah. Uh, if you've got a metal gun, get it to the gunsmith and get some checkering put on it in some places. Swap out the grip panels for, you know, get rid of that Coca Bolo that's like, oh, Coca Bolo. I love it. Oh, come it. on now. I'm, I'm just Coca Bolo. I love Coca Bolo too. But, you know, <laughs> get, get something that's going to really grab on. To that hand, so yeah. that you can you can grip your gun appropriately. Well, now, you don't have to wait until you are, are hot and sweaty either. I mean, really, honestly, I, and I've done this myself. Get just get your hands wet, run them under water, try absolutely. dry firing that way, or get your hands oily. Get out your gun oil, spray it on your hands or your Crisco. I don't care. Spray it on your hands and try doing some dry wait, fire practice. You said gun happens. oil. And then you said Crisco, like they're two different things. That was so weird. It's trying to be nice. Coconut, frog, it's all the same. I have plenty to say about that, but not And I mean, you can do that tonight, you know. You don't have to wait. Just go get some butter, rub it on your hands, and do some dry fire practice. See what happens. I think yeah, and if you want to live a longer life, stop eating that movie popcorn. That's not <laughs> good on. for you. Come Holy on. Holy smokes, Come you're going to die, Matt. Don't do that. Well, look, let's take it a little bit further. Um... Butterfingers will do it too. No, <laughs> candy bar. No, I'm kidding. Um, let's talk about you know you're, we're talking about gripping with your with your shooting hand, your strong hand. What about jewelry? Like a lot of people. Okay, so I like wear a class. Well, my university ring. It's a monster, you know. And uh, so it, it would be very awkward uh, with it on my right hand to to fire the gun. If I'm going to use, you know, my weak hand to support, I mean, what do you think about that? Just don't wear those, that type of jewelry. Is it just out or is there something else you can do? We've got to find that balance, right? I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing that I take from this finding balance. Um, if, if you are down in, in Texas performing surgery on kids, femurs and putting kids bones back together. I don't want you to use your off hand to do the most intricate parts of that surgery just so you can keep your gun hand free, right? I mean, there are times when we're going to have to do what it is that we do to live life and then be ready to deal with it if things really go sour. So John, take that advice and, you know, use your best hand to do your work, right? It, it goes the same way with the jewelry and everything else. We have to find that balance in our life with the clothing that we wear. There are times that people wear clothing where they can't conceal their gun that is best for concealed carry. Well, that makes it in that situation not the gun that's best for concealed carry. Mm-hmm. They have to find some different situation. We, we've come out of this time where people have you know, demanded and expected people to you know, dress around the gun and those kinds of things because... A couple of reasons. The biggest one being most people just aren't going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, people aren't going to change their lives drastically on a daily basis for something that has a less than 1% chance of happening in their whole lifetime. And so I get that and I understand that. So you have to find that balance, Doc. And, and, you know, maybe that jewelry is something that you want to have with you and have on you, you want to wear. Maybe it's the clothing. 
then you need to find a different alternative if personal defense is important. Yeah, and you know the, the way I get around it. Obviously, I ask the question what I do. When I cannot have my firearm with me, like I'm in at work or, you know, I will wear my right. ring then. Mm-hmm. When I'm back with my gun, poop it comes off that hand because I want to be able to, you know, use my firearm properly, you know, to fire it properly, have the proper right. stance, both hands. So, you know... um, the thing is now it's automatic you know how like if you ever a lot of people don't wear watches these days i do because i'm old (laughs) but but you know um matter of fact one of my technicians came in the other day and i was like looking for a new watch and i was looking at specific ones and he goes what are you doing so i'm looking for a new watch he goes why what do you mean why he goes well your phone has the time i'm like dude you don't are you really (laughs) this jewelry too you know but um, the thing about it is, you know, it's just I want to have, you know, my watch on all the time. And, and I've gotten where I wear it. When I take it off and go to work by accident where I've left mm-hmm. it on the nightstand or something, I get there and feel naked, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same thing like when I'm wearing my jewelry, like my, my class ring, you know, a university ring on my hand. And I immediately when I go out the door and I'm, <laughs> you know, I know it's just automatic. I feel weird. Like I need to go ahead and put that in my pocket or you know, and some people would say that's silly, but I don't know. No, I mean, you know, you know, it, it doesn't matter <laughs> if other people say that it's silly. You know, there are things that are outside of the realm of reasonableness, mm-hmm. and and that's not silly. It's just unreasonable. And then there are things that are personal preference, and we have to just accept that. You know, that works for Doc. That's yep. what Doc does, and that's okay. You know, Melody talked about you know carrying things in the in the shooting hand or the primary hand compared to the secondary hand. And you know, I don't prefer to carry a bag or anything else when I'm out, especially in a parking lot, because, you know, the the natural reflex of the human is to grip onto things. We've survived mm-hmm. not because we're amazing fighters, but because we hold on to tools and we can use those to, you know, bash in the, the soft parts of a saber-toothed cat or whatever over the centuries, right? Right. And so once I get that bag in my hand, is it is it going to be that easy to drop it? I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know. So I, you know, I hold my kid's hand in my left hand when we're walking the parking lot. You know, I have my kid carry the bag. If I've got more bags than can be carried and my gun hand has to carry a bag, then my gun hand carries a bag. It's not like I'm going to set groceries down on the curb, walk out to the car and make multiple trips. Let's be serious. That that would be more dangerous or, or more risky than yeah. just, you know, getting it over with. And so it's the same kind of thing. We just have to develop our preference of how it is that we do things. And we have to always find that balance. You know, and and the thing is, once you do that, because it's your balance and your choice as to how you did it, it's easier to remember Mm -hmm. than if someone were to tell you, you don't need to do that. And you don't, you know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very, very, just like the, like I said, with my, with my university rant, I mean, I'll take it off. It's an automatic thing. I feel weird if I hadn't done it by the time I get in the car, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Now that's not to say that I don't wear it and carry sometimes too. No, this Mm -hmm. thing's big baby let me tell you <laughs> um but uh you, you know what i'm saying I, I, there's times i do do that obviously and, uh, but uh but still i try to be cognizant of that and like you say do what you feel like works you know well and things can evolve too like for instance i when i first started carrying a gun i at first of all i carried in very poor holsters when i first started carrying <laughs> what in a bungee and, holster was <laughs> oh no never no we're going to talk about that in a minute go ahead um but i i did wear a lot of jewelry you know um I had recently been married, so I wore my wedding ring and I wore, 
you know, I had rings all over the place. And congratulations I, on your marriage, Melanie. Yeah, when did <laughs> that happen? Yeah. Uh, John, 11, 11 John years ago, <laughs> next month, actually. Oh, wow. Um, so anyway, but so what ended up happening was that as I started, so when I got my job in the gun store and I started shooting almost every day, I started developing calluses underneath of my rings. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost one of the stones. Yeah, it'll damage your ring. rings big time. Yeah. yeah. So, and I was like, whoa, I, this is really hard on my hands, on my jewelry. So I started taking off my jewelry for, for work. And then it just got such a hassle to put it back on. And I shot so much better with it off. I almost wear no jewelry. In fact, I, I don't even know where my wedding ring is. I probably haven't worn a wedding ring in four years. I'm telling John. <clears throat> oh, he doesn't wear one either. No, I'm telling so, you, you lost your wedding ring. He already knows. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's been a point of contention, let's say. Um, then I'm going to rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> but the point being, like, I changed my practices very gradually. It wasn't something that I had. I made a decision. And, and when I go out nice places, I still wear jewelry. But it's very limited. It's very like, oh, I will wear this one ring right. because it's pretty. You know, and it's just one of those things that just over time, my new practices and my new training habits and my new carry routine dictated what was easier for me to do. And what was easier for me to do was to do, you know, to to have a minimal, minimal jewelry, minimal distractions along those lines. And, uh, you know, and I ended up I used to never carry belts because I thought, oh, you know, belts are so uncomfortable. So I used to carry in holsters specifically that I could get away with that. But that as I carried bigger and I think better fighting guns, I realized that I was more comfortable when I wore belts. So I found belts that work, you know, so the idea that like no one ever changes their carry practices, it can happen. But I think the difference there is that this would became a daily lifestyle for me mm-hmm. versus something that I did occasionally when I felt threatened or when I, you know, was going to the bad part of town or, or whatever. And I was regularly practicing, regular, regularly training and made those conscious decisions to change my lifestyle. And like you said, Paul, not everyone's going to do that, though. Um, you know, and, and it is rarer that you will see someone mm-hmm. change their life to fit this new endeavor than than the other way around. But thankfully, like you said, we have a lot of things that make people not have to change their lifestyles. You, for you know what I, what I love about what you said there and that, or, or what I took away, the main point that I took away is something that I try and share with my students is, you know, when you, when you do something new, you've got to give it a solid try. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to, you've got to do something and you've got to stick with it for uh, when I first carried appendix, you know, within two hours, I was like, yeah, this is not going to work. <laughs> and, and then I just thought to myself, let's give it some time. And I, and I set a time frame. I said 14 days, I'm going to do this in, unless there's some reason if, you know, I've injured myself or something else comes up that I simply can't carry this. I'm going to carry this way eight hours a day for 14 days. Okay. Day six, I was ready to rock and roll and done. Like I was, I was in, in the mode. Mm-hmm. And it had become comfortable because I'd become accustomed. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to give those things a good solid try, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. You can find something that works if you give it that solid try. Well, yeah. And the other thing, too, is not getting extremely um, ADD with stuff. Mm-hmm. So this I see, and I'm sure you see this too, Paul, as well, particularly in new students who get really excited. You know, they will buy this holster. 
and mm-hmm. they'll use it for two or three days or maybe on and off for a week or something along those lines. Then they find one little thing it doesn't work for and then they're like, oh, this doesn't work. And then they go and get another thing and then they try that for a little while or they want to modify their gun or they want to, yep. you know, j- in- entirely change their wardrobe for this. Or you know, And it's just, you kind of want to throw a lasso around them and reel them in and be like, just calm down for a little while. You know, or they want to get another gun and they want to get another gun and they want to get another, you know, and you just kind of have to, you kind of have to watch them bounce off the walls a little bit before they finally kind of come full circle and go, oh, maybe I just need a little bit more time working this one thing. But sometimes they burn themselves out. And like you said, Paul, you just have to kind of give yourself some time. I, I like that. Fourteen days. That's a really, a really reasonable time frame. Yeah, for appendix care, it gives you a chance to lose about ten pounds. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Stop eating completely. Yes. That buttery popcorn does it. Yeah, but I, I like that. I think that's a good, a good idea for people to take away. Well, one thing I can say that I will not give plenty of time. Fourteen days is the bungee holster. Oh no! Have you been yeah. seeing this lately? Oh my god! I won't give that ten minutes. The bungee. What the hey? It's, it's basically an elaborate rubber band. Yeah. It's a scrunchie. You, it is. You it looks like a scrunchie. The barrel, you flip it in an X and you hook it over the, the tang, basically. And then to draw, there's no protection whatsoever for the trigger guard. And how you draw it is you basically grab it and like rip the gun out of your belt. So you wear a belt. That's how you mount your gun with this bungee cord to your body and oh it's it's yeah no (laughs) it's no you know once again you know once again uh you see these type of things come out you know every every so often sometimes you get more than one at once but man get a decent holster that covers the trigger right Yeah, Yeah, it's good. Decent retention enough to where you know it's not going to just flop out on you. I mean, come on, man. This isn't hard, people. This is what bothers me. We got something that works already. Yeah, what bothers me about this is the fact that these things actually make it to market. I know. You know, I mean, I've got I've got a new holster that I've got a meeting for on Monday to do some some development on, and and I'm not going to talk about what it is. But I'm going into this whole thing with the potential of this may not work. And if this doesn't meet a certain set of requirements, mm-hmm. we're done here. You know, it's it's not a matter of, well, I've taken it this far. I'm going to bring it to market. Or yeah. can't we think critically about things? I mean, having any holster that doesn't cover the trigger guard of a handgun is yep. irresponsible. It's, That's it. So, so, folks, if you've got a holster that doesn't cover both sides of the trigger guard mm-hmm. fully from top to bottom, prevent anything from entering the trigger guard at any time you've made a mistake you've got a holster that has uh has been brought to market and it shouldn't have been brought to market you've been taken advantage of mm-hmm. be angry be mad whatever but stop using that holster because it's completely mm-hmm. unsafe yeah well, yes exactly and i i'd say be be angry at the manufacturers who would be willing to sell you something so terribly unsafe yep. that yep. would be my thing you but know? you know you see these come out from time to time and then you see people just absolutely saying they're 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 great. They're minimal, you know. They're minimalistic because you don't have the extra layer of the leather or the kydex on either side of the uh, of the firearm, uh, you know that kind of thing. But I what just, irritates me are the the police officers 
that they will get. There was a, a, mm. a recent product very similar to that, very similar to the bungee that um, was was extremely unsafe. And they had reviews, video reviews of no less than four or five police officers mm. who sat there and on video gave their testimony. credentials and their testimony of how wonderful this product was. And I'm thinking, what a smarmy way yeah. to get endorsement for your product. And, you know, two things. One, just because they have a badge doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. And two, you know, uh, if it's unsafe, it's unsafe. I don't care who's endorsing it. Right. But, you know, it, it's I'm not surprised by it because let's be serious. The holster market in general, when you walk into any gun shop in America, is a disaster. Oh, it's terrible. Way better than 50% of the holsters that are on the shelf of the typical gun store. Heck, even the high-quality gun stores are not suitable for anything but very casual range use. And please don't put a loaded gun in that thing. And, that's and if that's where we're at with the majority of the products on the market, well, it's no wonder that some of these, this, this outside factor of the, what's the one that goes into the muzzle? The, oh, the VersaCarry. The Versa disaster. Yeah. You, know, um, you know, we've got that. We've got, we've got all these holsters that, that don't fit the requirements of what is reasonable for a holster, yet they're out there. Mm -hmm. They're sold in nice packages with, you know, cool images and good videos. And yep. it makes it it makes it hard for folks that are actually doing good work to get the word out there. Yeah, and there are, and thankfully there are um, some gun stores. Like here, a great example is we have a a gun store and a training place down in Des Moines where I have been doing a majority of my classes. Where we recently had a meeting about all of our classes and our training and what we're teaching and stuff like that. And all of the trainers collectively agreed that none of us want Serpa holsters in our classes. <laughs> and the manager said, well, we have Serpa holsters on our floor. And we all said, yes, you do. And he said, I'm going to pull all those because if it's unsafe to have in our training, well, there you go. I don't See, want that on my floor. That's doing awesome. it right, right Yay! there. You know, we, we collectively had a round of applause because that makes a lot of sense. Why would you have something on your floor to sell? that you wouldn't want in your range to be used. So. I have that struggle all the time with facilities that I do work with where I have students come to class with equipment that's sold from those stores yep. and I and I either tell the student to return it or throw it away or I pull out my knife and start cutting crap off of it. <laughs> yep. And the student's like, but this is what the store recommended. And, and so mm -hmm. the challenge becomes, well, the store recommended this crappy holster and they recommended you. Which one is right and which one's wrong? And, exactly. and well, the holster's course, fine, honestly. right? Holster's fine. It's that <laughs> crazy guy with the wacky hair. You know, it's 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 that it, it's a tough, tough, tough situation. And I get the position of the gun shop that needs to make a buck. Oh yeah, but well, at the same and, time, do it without killing your students. Well, and and I totally get it from their perspective too, because I mean, if you look at the quality holsters that you and I buy, Paul. We buy them online, and we buy them for the make and model right. of our firearm. Right. If a store, any store, I don't care what store, tried to stock every make and model of every good oh, holster yeah. out there, you would need about 17 warehouses or convention centers to fit them all. And the chances of you selling the Dark Star gear left-hand appendix for the... You know, yep. CZ 45 is so low that it doesn't make sense for you to keep that in stock. 
So, you know, they need to keep in stock things that they will sell. And unfortunately, those are the crappy one size fits most. This isn't fit to carry to the range kind of holsters, but that's what is there and that's what's available. And that's what they can turn over very quickly. So it's definitely a double-edged sword. And it's all about us stepping up and saying, this is okay temporarily but long-term, you need to get something better. Well, i got to say, you know, obviously, if you've been in firearms long enough, you have a drawer (laughs) that has got every type of holster that you can possibly think of. of drawers. I mean, it's just, yes, I mean, it's ridiculous. What? I mean, I I found some I didn't even remember I had in the closet the other day. I was like, where'd this come from? Can I use well, then them? you don't want to get rid of them because you're like, I might get another gun like this. Well, plus day. you spent seventy dollars on the darn thing, mm-hmm. or eighty bucks, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's just like, wow. I mean, and of course, I I have a propensity. I like leather holsters primarily. It's pronounced leather. Leather. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, that's my favorite. You know, obviously, you know, and I like the way they look, especially if they're done properly. But the thing is, to me, they're more comfortable. I know Kydex, Kydex is good. I mean, it's got its place, but, man, they can be sharp, you know? Yeah, I think that's all, you know, in, in finding a good quality holster, Doc. I think that there's good Kydex out there and there's crummy Kydex out there. And for years, I would not put anything next to my skin that wasn't leather. Yeah. It just made no sense to me. And now I'm carrying in full-on hard plastic stuff and... Yeah, it's it's just fine. That's why you have to do the holster hack, so you have nice, soft, cushy gel against nice. your skin, nice. and you <laughs> yeah. don't have the hard kydex. See, <laughs> this is how this is done. Oh my gosh! <clears throat> so, well, so good. I, I know we kind of had a plan, but Doc, I, one of my missions as a firearms instructor is to help people to choose good holsters, and so, I, you know, I don't know if you want to leave this let's or just, if we keep going. Let's do that. Let's let's continue uh, on with awesome. that, and we'll, All right, we'll, so, we'll come back with the, the uh, what we were going to do for topic tonight, and do that next time. Love it. So, one of the things that I've been doing is trying to help students identify what it is that is a quality holster so that they can make better choices right out of the gate. Because what people do is exactly what Melody says they buy what's on the shelf and then they find out that it doesn't work. So, they buy something else, but it's just as much a shot in the dark as yeah. whatever the first holster was. Maybe, maybe the area where the first holster fell down, this next one does better, but it's worse in other respects. And, and mm-hmm. that, that back and forth switching and and playing the lesser of two evils just is a bad way to go about things. And so a quality holster, what I define for my students for concealed carry. So this is a concealed carry conversation, but a lot of this applies to a range holster or a competition holster or even a duty holster to some degree, although there's some major differences there. But what we look for is a holster that can safely, comfortably, and securely carry your firearm on a daily basis. That's the beginning of it. And the way that I determine what characteristics that holster needs to have is I use a mnemonic called RAGTOP, you know, kind of like a convertible car, R-A-G-T-O-P. And RAGTOP, each letter stands for something. The R stands for retention. Your holster needs to retain your gun. It needs to stay in the gun while your belt is over the top of it or underneath it, while you're turned upside down, when you get spun to the right, whatever the case might be, your gun needs to be retained in that holster until, of course, you want or need to take that firearm out. And then that should happen relatively easily. And in most concealed carry holsters, 
that's achieved with friction. So we're looking for friction retention. I don't prefer concealed carry holsters to have some kind of a mechanical device on them. That should be reserved, in my opinion, for duty holsters to hold the gun in place for open carry holsters. Amen. So retention, your gun needs to stay in the holster until it's time to come out, and then it should come out relatively easily. The next thing that I talk about with students is the application. The application of your holster determines part of what it is you're looking for in a holster. Again, there's a difference between concealed carry, between competition, between uh, duty holsters. There's a difference between um, what it is that we're going to do with that holster, what kind of gun we're going to put in, and all those kinds of things. We need to have the right holster for the job. So make sure that the application of the holster is appropriate for what you're going to use it for. Gun fit. Melody talked about this. If you have a one-size-fits-many holster, it's not going to fit any very well. It's going to have a wide application and not do any of those things very well. It's going to have poor retention for most guns. We need to have a holster that is specifically fit for your handgun, for the pistol that you have, maybe a couple of other models. For example, you can put a Glock 26 into a holster for a Glock 17 into a holster for a Glock 19. That kind of fit difference is okay and in some cases can be very advantageous. But you want to have a holster that is fit specifically to your gun. So again, R is for attention, A is for the application, G is for gun fit. T is for trigger guard covered. The trigger guard, we talked about this already, needs to be covered front and back, top to bottom. When your gun is in the holster, the trigger needs to be covered. The O stands for open top. We want the holster to have a mouth that stays open when the gun is drawn from it. And there's two reasons why. Most people talk and spend the most time talking about wanting to be able to reholster one-handed. Yeah, that's great. Reholstering one-handed is a good thing, but I worry even more. Melody, I've heard you talk about this before. Students that have to, or people that have to finagle their gun back into the holster when the mouth collapses, spend a heck of a lot of time pointing the guns at themselves. Straight across the abdomen and the pelvis, it's a bad gig. You can't do that. You don't want to be doing that. Reholstering a gun is a time when you want to be very careful about muzzle direction, just like most of the other times you handle a firearm. Therefore, you want to have a mouth of the holster that stays open so that you can easily reholster with one hand. And then the last is the position. You want to have a holster that's designed to be carried in the position that you're going to carry it. If you're going to carry inside the waistband, it needs to be inside the waistband. Outside the waistband, it needs to be designed for outside the waistband. It needs to be designed for behind the hip or at 3 o'clock or in the appendix position or whatever else you're carrying. Mm -hmm. You want to have a holster that has a specific position. So I use that rag top, retention, application, gun fit, trigger covered, open top, and the position of the holster to help people kind of keep an idea in mind what they want to look for. Let, let me talk about position real quick again. Position means it needs to stay in position too. Mm -hmm. The belt loops on the holster need to match the size of the belt so that if you get spun around, your holster stays in the same position on your body. So look for ragtop holsters. Awesome. Yeah, I like that. that. I well, and that. I think, I think it bears repeating as well. And I've seen this, and I don't know if you've seen this in, in an increased, like I have, Paul, um, the number of people who are bringing holsters in that are not designed for that position, yep. um, particularly behind the hip holsters, and they're trying to carry them appendix. Right. And even if the manufacturer says, oh, yeah, you can do that. Um, I'm not going to name any names, but there's a company out there that does this all the time, and it drives me crazy. And they'll say, well, I called the manufacturer, and they said that I can carry this this way. 
And then we talk about can't, you know, if you have a firing grip on the gun and you move the gun around your body where you're planning and carry it, the can't that it's naturally at to get a full firing grip is the can't that it should be at. For appendix carry, it should be completely neutral, up and down, you know, straight up and down. Mm -hmm. If it's behind the hip, it should be a slight can't, et cetera, et cetera. And I can't tell you how many people come in with behind the hip holsters that have a can't and they try and put that in the appendix position and it, you know, and they'll tell me all the time, well, I, I did this at home. I drew my gun several times at home and it works just fine. But what ends up happening is when you put even a tiniest amount of stress on those people <laughs> and you tell them to do it either faster or you give them a complicated command to do beforehand, like for instance, <laughs> you move a cover garment then suddenly guns are being locked up in holsters, it's not drawing right, they're doing all sorts of inefficient movements. It, it breaks down, uh, you know, significantly breaks down their process. And then they start going, oh, well, wow, this is a lot more complicated. How you draw your gun while you're standing comfortably in your living room is a whole lot different. <laughs> How you draw your gun if, A, you're in a fight for your life, or be under any kind of stress. So have a holster where um, you can do that under stress. Another great example, and I think I've mentioned this on the, the show before as well, um, be careful about the quality of the holsters you're getting. So I had um, a student, or I'm sorry, he wasn't a student, he was actually a fellow participant in the class who was a law enforcement officer. He had just bought this brand new holster that was the greatest, newest whiz-bang holster. And he went up to the firing line and same thing. Oh, I drew from this a million times. It's great. It's great. It's great. The buzzer went off. We were doing a time drill. The buzzer went off. He went to draw the gun and the gun completely locked up in his holster. In fact, he had, it took him almost three minutes to get the gun out of the holster. He had to slam the gun back down into the holster before he could draw it out. And what had happened was the molding of the Kydex was too tight around the ejection port when he grabbed his gun and pulled it hard the edge of the ejection port actually dug into the edge of the kydex hmm. and completely locked it up the reason it had not happened to him in practice at home was because he was not being as aggressive as he was in the training environment in the training environment he was very aggressive and grabbed his gun and yanked it as hard as he could out of the holster he'd never done that before and seeing that, and then you know, he continued to try to defend it. Oh, there's nothing wrong with this. You know, maybe I can kind of buff it out and this won't happen. And I'm thinking the first time that happened, it would be in the trash can. Or I would be calling the company and demanding my money back. Because that's the last time I want my gear to start failing to the point where it's locking up. Is in a stressful environment. Let me ask you a question since you're talking about that. Have you ever had a Kydex holster that you've you've put your semi-automatic pistol into and the slide has actually started to retract on it? In a Kydex holster? Yeah. I can't say that I have. No. I have a friend that bought a holster and it's specifically made for his gun. I won't right. mention the it's a it's a well-known brand and he put his uh let's see XD uh compact down in it. And one time he did it, we were at the range, and he said, huh, I said, what? He said, look at this. And I walked over, where he had pressed down into it, the the slide actually started to, to move to the rear. 
in his holster at that point. So it, it sounds like, you know, I think we figured out what happened was obviously there was some friction down in there that was getting, I think he, this had a like a welt where you could loosen this, you know, the welt up or, you know, what I'm talking about like a, right. a retention screw or yeah, whatever. Tension, right. And um, so we, we backed it off enough. But see, by the time we backed it off enough, then it's rattling around in mm-hmm. the gun, you know, in the holster. Yeah. And, um, uh, but have you ever had that, seen that happen? Yes. You've yeah. seen that before? I, I, I have, I've yeah. seen that in a, in a Kydex, so I'm interested. The, um, the, the situation that gets into is a lot of the holsters that are being sold with guns. So maybe, maybe I, I'm, I'm misspeaking because they're not probably Kydex. They're probably injection molded. Oh, okay. But they're, I they're, they're over tensioned. And so you get exactly the, the situation. The student wants to lock the gun down so that it doesn't move around. It doesn't flop. It doesn't make noise. And as soon as they do that, they've closed the space enough. So there's too much friction. It's, it's very much akin to, you know, the old leather holster that's too worn. That's now starting to collapse under the belt. Yes. And when you push that gun down in, the slide starts to drive back (laughs) on the semi-automatic pistol with no manual safety that you know locks it in place and so that's exactly the same kind of situation a properly tensioned holster you shouldn't have that problem yeah. with well and, and i think that's a, a good point that you said there paul too as well a lot of people do confuse injection injected sure. plastic for kydex they think well it's black and it's plasticky so therefore it must be the same Not i gotta tell you <laughs> some of the crappiest holsters i've ever seen are those ones that come with the xds yeah yeah i don't i throw those things away yeah, yeah. Absolutely. and i've seen so many people use those and those will yes i have seen those lock up the slide to where they're you know moving the slide when you try and holster it but i've seen people try to bring those to classes and say yeah. that they are good holsters and oh nope. look they're a plastic kydex holster no no they're not they're uh injection injection plastic and they they swell they swell up onto the gun they're just bad juju all you know, over. I, I, when i bought my first xd of course you know they came with the xd gear you know was, yeah. your first xd that would imply that you bought a second one i have more than a few yes thank oh, you um <gasps> when this one the hell you say <laughs> when, when this, you know, of course I saw that that came with it and I was like, okay. So I put it on the belt and I put the uh, gun down in there and as I went down in and I heard the snap, I thought, well, I went to to, to draw it and it just about pulled my pants up under my right. arms. Right. Yep. It would not come out. It had to be level. I mean, I had to use my weak hand to go over there, get that thing complete. I mean, you couldn't pull the gun at any type of angle. angle it had to come straight out well that's impossible that's just totally impossible that's why that retention you know game is so difficult it, it they're two competing factors keep the gun secure but release it to me when i want it yep. and and that's one of the reasons why making a quality holster is a challenge yep. now one of the things that i think is is important to understand is why it is that we tend to see Kydex holsters performing better than injection molded holsters. And really it comes down to the the time and, and custom work that's done to fit those Kydex holsters. Most often those Kydex holsters are custom made one at a time for the specific gun, whereas an injection molded holster has a mold that's made and therefore you're going to make thousands of holsters from that mold. And what happens is, is that um, Kydex has become so popular because of price of entry. Yeah. 
a holster manufacturer can make Kydex holsters and for $15,000 make 1,500 or 3,000 holsters. For $15,000, if you're going to get into injection molding, well, now you've got your mold and you haven't even started the manufacturing process yet. You, you have no holsters. And so it's very expensive to get started with injection molding. And if you find a problem with a mold, if you find something that doesn't work quite right, well, now you're talking about another $15,000 to get a new mold. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're talking about Kydex, well, a tweak here and a tweak there. Yeah, hair dryer. And now, yeah, and now you're <laughs> yeah. remolding holsters and you've got it figured out. Yeah. So don't, I, I don't want people to think that if a holster is injection molded, it's bad. There are many bad injection molded holsters and there are many bad Kydex holsters and there are many bad leather holsters. And then, well, if it's nylon, I'm done. But um, in general, quality holsters are quality holsters. And there are some outstanding holsters that are injection molded. It's just a matter of how well that project was taken on and how thorough the, mm-hmm. the research was done right. before that mold was made and they started cranking them out. And then if the gun changes a tiny little bit, that mold may be scrapped. And that's, that's hard to do business that way. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with the whole plan B thing is in injection molding is because it's an expensive process. Well, I can't, we can't totally crap on nylon. We can't? No, because. Yes, yes we can't. There, there are, no, there's some that are okay that are, have been, but they're not just nylon. They're like multi-layer. Absolutely. Those are okay. Yes. If, if you've got a, a holster that is injection molded or Kydex or leather. It has a nylon covering over it. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's, that's done because there are agencies that have uniform requirements. Exactly. That this holster will be a basket weave, you know, and, and made out of plastic, or it'll be a nylon and it'll be this color with whatever colored piping. Cool. No problem. You know, we can decorate our holsters however we want, as long as they don't interfere with the function. I know Bianchi had made some similar to that that were molded and had, mm-hmm. like, the nylon on the outside. Now, mm-hmm. the good thing was, you know, w- with one that would go on the belt like that, you have your your jacket on or whatever. It's quiet. I mean, it's you know, right. And um, they had a nice lining on the inside, but obviously there was there was some Kydex or something inside of it, and it was molded to the gun. Uh, so yeah. Now, if you're talking about just the old nylon holster, it's got. I'm not real fan of those. Unless it has a magazine pouch right on the front of the holster, <laughs> where you know the the, uh, the top end of the gun would be, yeah, and then that's, that's right. super awesome. That is right. But I like leather, and I like exotic leather. So. <laughs> I used to be a huge leather, you know, like the only thing that would work. I think that's kind of where a lot of people get into the gateway. You know, that's like their gateway, gateway holster, gateway drug yeah. is coming in through leather because like, like Kydex these days, it's molded to the gun. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it fits pretty well. It's called it hand feels, boning. It feels nice. Yeah. It's, it's comfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I made the switch when I switched to appendix because mm-hmm. Uh, Kydex can be a little bit thinner than leather and as well as uh, a little bit faster and but yet still be molded to have good retention. And like you said, Paul, there is a real delicate balance between too much retention mm-hmm. and not enough to where your gun's just going to fall out of your holster. And the good holster makers get it just right where you can do headstands and you can run around and you can live an active life, not just a static life, but an active life and still have faith that your gun's going to be where you need it to be. 
but the moment you need to draw that gun, it is in your hand. So, um, and that's a, that's a very delicate balance and very, um, I don't say very few because there are a lot of holster makers do get it right. But getting it right, um, I, I think like your hybrid holsters are very hard to get it right um, because you just can't get that good molding around it. It either has to be too tight or sometimes too loose. Yeah. So that's one of those things. I had a, um, a hybrid holster. Then the hybrid is like your, your leather panel on the back and a Kydex mold on the outside. Usually those, those uh, kind of holsters get their retention from the belt that you wear. They mm-hmm. don't get the retention from the actual holster, which is a, a red flag in my opinion. But I did a handstand with it and the gun fell out and hit me in the head. <laughs> so oh, I was like, no, I, know, I, what's think, wrong? I think this one's going to go back into the holster box for a while. <laughs> um, like you punishment know. for the holster. Maybe you know, she does handstands time. all or handstands all the time with her gun. I do, I just, teach, I do I it. How often do you do it? Yoga. Oh, a handstand? I'm actually doing a handstand. Ooh. While you sharpen your knife and While do a podcast. While I sharpen the knife. <laughs> and you're awesome. I actually do quite a few handstands. And I, like I said, I teach yoga. I, I, I do carry my gun to yoga. Uh, I very seldomly carry my gun during yoga, though. So, But I still like, because, you know, like my 686 resides in. Elephant skin host leather. Nice. I have an ostrich. I've got one of those too. It's the alligator, but I don't. Do I never got an alligator. I I wanted a shark. Shark is kind of cool. Yeah, shark would be good. But the baby baby ostrich really fantastic. Ostrich. Small quill. Yeah, but uh, horse is good too. Mm-hmm. Horse yeah, horse hide. Good stiff horse hide. Yeah, but the um, but yeah that that uh, that elephant though it's it's really attractive and it's. Also extremely rugged, so... Well, I hear that they, they keep their form. I mean, I, I guess do, you'd yeah. say have a really good memory, Yep, elephants. They do have a good memory. <laughs> you're, you're quite right. I wonder if anybody got that. <laughs> I don't know. It probably wasn't worth getting. So. I don't know. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Late kids I, I, I saw who were you going immediately, because, you know, I know... Elephantitis you. of the holster. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, good. it's a good, a good talk about... Uh, holsters it was serendipitous that it came up so yeah kind of fun to like off the cuff just totally change topics mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we've never done that before right <laughs> no we don't we're rigid but uh very good yeah awesome um so let's wrap it up uh let's see here uh melody what have you been well gosh you know so you've been hunting pigs yep and not finding any no and- it, it- though i mean you know and someone a very wise person said if the only reason you go hunting is to kill something you're going to be disappointed and i think that's very true i'd never been hunting before really this is my first time ever going hunting now granted you couldn't really have picked a better way to go hunting i mean how many people get to go at midnight with night vision and suppress fully automatic rifles with 300 blackout, you know. It doesn't cost you anything. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't cost you anything. It's part of your job. I mean, my job does not suck. Let's just put it that way. Your job is beyond the gun nation. What are you talking about? (laughs) So, but I mean, it was a really, really cool experience. And I was really glad I I got to do it because like I said, so many people wouldn't do that, wouldn't have the opportunity to do that. Then the very next weekend, I was in Indianapolis speaking at the uh, Fashion for Fire or Fashion and Firearms Conference, mm. uh, hosted by the Well Armed Woman, 
And that was a really cool conference. It really was. Now tell me a little bit about that. Okay. It, it, what they do is they have literally a fashion show where they have models. Who, what? Yes. They have models who are dressed in everyday, very feminine outfits. And was Paul there? <laughs> no, Paul was not there. I don't, well, if you were there, I didn't see you. And I'm very sad you didn't come and say hi. In drag. Um, but they walk the runway. And then when they get to the end of the runway, they just show where they have their gun. So they don't draw their gun or anything. And it's blue guns. Everything's blue guns, right, right. not real guns. And they had seasons, like they had the summer. And they actually had a woman up there concealed carrying in a bikini. Bless her heart. It was amazing. Oh, we, we've already we done a story. Yes, we've already done a story on her before. So we ha- they had like a summer special where they had, you know, then they had like casual work. They had winter out and about. I mean, they had every season. They even had like disabled, like a section for like special circumstances disabled. And it was just really, and then in between these blocks, they had speakers who came up and talked on a certain topic. Like they had one guy who came up and did some self-defense demonstrations. They had a whole panel of women who had been victims of violent crime. Wow. Uh, and they told their stories like, this is what happened to me. And kind of, yeah, it was very powerful. Now, how, and, how many, I mean, how many people come to this? Is it a big event or? The, it was huge. They had, I think they said they had about 550 people. What? Come to this one. And I her, have never heard of this. Why have I never heard this of this? This was only their second year. The My first gosh. year, they had like 200 or so. And this then is this fantastic. Year was and they're going to keep having these. Yeah. So it was, and it was, they had vendor tables all over the place where people were selling goods. And um, so I was there speaking on baby wearing and carrying. So um, I was kind of towards the, towards the end of the blocks of instruction. So I got up and gave my speech on there. And it actually was really kind of funny because I came with this prepared speech. And when I got there, there's this baby, one of the other presenters, her husband had to work. And at the very last minute, she had to bring her baby. And the, the host had found her a babysitter. And so this baby's there. And I'm like, oh, had I known there would have been a baby here, I would have... I would have had, you know, used that in my speech because it makes sense, you know. Yeah. And then um, I'm like, oh, if only I had a baby carrier. And she said, well, I brought a baby carrier. <laughs> and I went, you did? And I went, oh, this changes everything. Yeah. So I literally at the very last minute, um, you know, like grabbed this poor babysitter and was like, okay, do you mind if I use your baby? No, use my baby. Okay. So I need to find a blue gun. Someone give me a blue gun. Okay, now I need a holster for this blue gun. Who's got a holster for this blue gun? I, mean, I need a cheeseburger. Was... Anybody got cheeseburger? <laughs> cup of coffee, anything. I don't and literally, like five minutes before we, I walked up on stage with this poor woman, I'm like throwing this ring together. And I'm like, okay, when I cue you, you're coming up. And so I, I literally changed my entire speech like right as I'm walking up on stage. But it, it, it ended up being much better, I think, because I was able to show what it means to baby wear and carry versus just talking about it. And um, I had a lot of people come up afterwards and say that they were really appreciated seeing it. So, And I think it was much more powerful than even just me showing pictures of it. So um, it turned out really well. And I, I, I hope I get asked back next year because I have not seen this many gun events that were so positive, so applicable to everyday life. 
yes, it was kind of specific to women, but there weren't just women there. There were a ton of men there. And I'm thinking, yes, because these men will see that this is possible. They will go home and support and put their, on their dresses and <laughs> put on their dresses. Absolutely. <laughs> so it, it just worked out really well. For, for everything. And like I said, I really hope that I get asked ne- back next year. Because I hope so too. It, we'll send you with a recorder. <laughs> so we can, I mean, this is, I had no idea. And, I, and you know, when, when you were talking about it, I thought, oh, so there's like, what, you know, a few people here and there. My gosh. Oh, no. They no were giving idea. their, their door prizes. I'm like, how did I not get signed up? They Holy were giving smoke. away, they were giving away uh, Kimbers and they were giving away rifles and Armalites and, Box are like baskets of ammo Jeez. and um, holsters galore and like tree training. And I'm like, why, why am I not in these drawings? So uh, it was it was a really, really cool event. Awesome. I, I, I appreciate I you telling that, us about that. Yes, I hope. And what can. was the name of it again? Fashion and Firearms. Do they have a website? Yes. I think it's just Fashion and Firearms. I'm going to look it up for you right now. Uh, and it was in fashion and firearms, indie.net. So fashion and, and of course, and is a and D. So not the and sign. So fashion and firearms, indie, I N D Y dot net. And you can see my picture there. There's Melody Lauer. So cool. Very cool. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, you know, I hope to see Paul up there sashaying sometime. Nice. <laughs> I'm the cat ball. Well, guys, that's great. We appreciate you sharing that with us. Well, let's wrap it up. Um, I appreciate uh, you guys, as usual, being with us. I I thought the conversation went well tonight with the fact that it just, like we say, just moved right on into the holster deal. Cool. You know? And I'm sure we ticked some people off. (laughs) Good, good. I hope so. Yeah. And and speaking of ticking them off, Doc, I don't want to forget about uh, Gun Nation t-shirts. I am so glad you brought that up. Yeah. Because I'd have to go back in and add that later. Yeah, so uh, if you want to get yourself a a look, first of all, at a Gun Nation t-shirt, all you have to do is head to safetysolutionsacademy.com slash Gun Nation T, and you can check out what the t-shirt looks like. Uh, It is a pre-order, so if you want to order one of those t-shirts, you can order it now, and we get the first 150 orders in. We'll go ahead and uh, submit that order and get those made up and, and shipped out, so... Um, head on over there now. Again, that's safetysolutionsacademy.com slash gun nation T. All one word, gun awesome. nation T. Check them out. And of course, you know, in the show, in the show notes and links, I'll have that. you just be able to get right to it. Cool. At gunnation.us. All right. Well, you guys appreciate it. We'll holler at you soon. See y'all. Bye. That will do it for this episode of The Gun Nation. Thanks for listening to the program. Remember that you can go to our webpage at gunnation.us to get all things that we talk about in the show. Until the next episode, remember, get your t-shirts, stay armed, and stay polite. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.